Hi, and welcome to episode 120 of No Crying in Baseball, the Is It Still Super Bowl Sunday If Nobody Cares episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Yeah, yeah. Hey there. Uh, I don't care so much about the Super Bowl this year. You know what I like about it? When it's over, then it's baseball season. So that's what everybody on Twitter has been saying. They're right. Yeah, sort of, except for you can watch baseball now. So everybody who's complaining... Stop complaining. Watch baseball. I'm going to tell you at the end of the show today about the Caribbean series. I've been watching it and it's fun, like good baseball. You can do it now. You don't have to wait until the end of February because we'll also talk about the spring training countdown and that's for pitchers and catchers reporting. But it's going to be a while before there's anything that looks like a game going on in In this, this this country. Yep. Actually, shit, that's not true. Because the Caribbean series is happening in Puerto Rico. That is, is this it really? country. Yeah. Oh, so in this right. mainland part of the country. In MLB. Huh, politics. Wow. All right. Yep. On today's show, we are so far into the weeds in the Astros cheating scandal. But don't worry, Dusty Baker is coming to the rescue. We have Cleveland and Mets boyfriends to tell you about this week, including a squirrel, a polar bear, a Superman, and the Beast. Ballplayers march in the Dominican Republic to end violence against women. Chris Bryant loses his service time grievance, and that's got some repercussions we're not happy about. Some we might be. And the Caribbean series is here. Watch some baseball. I'm actually kind of tired of cheating. I keep. I, I think I'm just gritting my teeth in anticipation of when more we get more information about the Red Sox. But fortunately... We don't have it, at least at the time of recording. We don't know anything about what's happening with the Red Sox accusations. But some more information has come out about the Astros from one of their fans. And I think this is a really honorable thing to do. Maybe I'll try to do something It's like also this. a guy who's got a lot of time on his hands. Okay. Because, boy, did he have to do a lot of work. Yeah. He, ha- he looked at the video of 58 home games, which is what he could get video of. And he analyzed when the bangs were happening. So these are the bangs that, as part of the cheating scheme, that they were relaying the sign back and somebody was hitting a trash can so that the batter would know what kind of pitch was coming. And I don't know what the code was. Well, if it's a bang, it's an off-speed pitch. Okay. So basically, it just tells you whether it's not a fastball, whether it's a fastball or not a fastball. So a bang is, it's an off-speed pitch. Yeah. And there's a lot of uh, stuff out there about the, how that affected their batting averages, right? The comp- the comparisons between home games and away games are pretty stark for that season. But what this guy did, Astros fan Tony Adams on Twitter, is he did it by player. So he was checking out which players got the most bangs. <laughs> bang for your buck, bang for your hit. So the, the players who depended most on the bang system is what it seemed like. And I thought it was really interesting. And it made me feel just a teeny, teeny bit better about Jose Altuve because I really had adored him since I picked him as one of our original baseball boyfriends. And he was the guy with the fewest bangs per most pitches. He only had 2.8% of his pitches as bangs. So that's a 866 Uh, pitches and 24 bangs. And I don't think that's just because he got 24 change-ups thrown at him. I think it was, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he just didn't like banging. Who who the fuck knows what this really means, really? So that's actually, that's an interesting point is that you have to remember that the absence of a bang when that system is Mm -hmm. in use is also a signal. It means fastballs coming. I do think you're right that I doubt that Jose Altuve has mostly fastballs thrown to him. So that's probably true. There's also other ways to look at it. Um, There 
the report that investigated this also said clapping and whistling and yelling was also involved. So it's not right. just the bangs. So this is interesting information. I think the most important thing you told us was kind of when this started, because there was a big spike. So, you know, okay, mm-hmm. now this is like the time when it really kicked in. So now we need to pay attention. Um, the Athletic did an interesting study on the numbers that talked about the strikeout rate and how that changed for the Astros. And it plummeted. And it plummeted mm-hmm. to historic levels. Wow. In a difference in their history and also, again, putting them up against other teams. And the strikeout level was higher at the away parks. So they struck out less at home when this may have been available to them. The, the Athletic also said, we don't know why. They also got more guys who are contact hitters. They also really worked on trying to bring this down. Mm-hmm. So part of it could be what they did. Your guy, Jose Altuve, had the reverse happen. He actually had more strikeouts at home than he had at away parks. So that would seem to like reinforce the, if this means something about the cheating scandal, maybe he is, right. you know, d- used it less or didn't use it because he's not showing the same whack numbers that a lot of the other players are showing. Yeah, and but even on top of that, like, is that because he's a good guy or is that just because, like, it didn't work for him? Like, maybe, like, yeah. for some players, just hearing a bang when you're at the plate might not be a helpful thing. So who the fuck knows? I thought it was interesting, though, that the top four, George Springer was number one with 14.9%, and he had a lot of pitches, 933 and 139 bangs. But the number two is was Carlos Beltran who had been manager of the Mets very, very briefly. And not for a single game. And so I think, you know, in in light of this, it's very good that they parted ways, however they did. And the other two, um, Marwin Gonzalez, who is not there anymore. Where is he? In the Twins? I forget where he went. I remember. Um, And then Alex Bregman, who's getting a lot of bad press. So his numbers were up there. Yeah, interestingly, if um, we're going to link also to the athletic study that I referenced because it highlights a couple of guys who had these really stark changes in their strikeout rates, and only George Springer is on that list as well as the list that you cited. Interesting. So yeah, it's fascinating, and it just means we just don't know enough, but it's really you can go down a lot of rabbit holes and and it's kind of forcing those math skills out that's a rough one right, <laughs> right? A lot of, give this to some a- ap stats kids for homework right hey you know who's going to come save the day riding in on a horse i can picture Just this freaking baker cowboy hat horse he's, he's been sh- he's worn some cowboy boots in public mm-hmm. dusty baker can do this i think this was so freaking smart to hire dusty baker Brilliant. to replace yeah. aj hench because Dusty Baker is kind of unimpeachable, right? He's got a hell of a record. He's got the character record. Players respect them. He has no fucks to give, really. Mm -hmm. And he basically said, this is not going to happen on my watch, right? This is not this is not happening. We are not doing this cleaning up the act. Right. And he's not someone who's embarking on a managerial career. He's definitely on the tail end of things. So he's, yeah, why bother doing anything off sorts? Right. Like for him, he's called this his last hurrah. He he wants a World Series ring and he wants it bad. And he didn't get one with the Nationals or anybody else he managed. But that's the missing piece of his his history that he wants to fill in. And I get that. And yeah, I'm not going to go farther with that because I I wish only well for Dusty. But one of the things that he said was he thought the Nationals – were his last hurrah. So when he was let go, which I think a lot of Nets fans are still bitter about, oh yeah, um, he gave away all of his equipment. And so now he said he went upstairs to get my bag out and get my baseball stuff back out, and it was empty. 
So I think Dusty's shopping. So that's a little bit for us as folks who like to hang on to things. That's giving us more encouragement to do so. Like my basement is overflowing. So So I'm going to learn from Dusty and just hang on to all that shit. That's not really the takeaway, but you go for that. (laughs) So he says he's keeping the um, coaching staff that's in place. So he's keeping Hinch's guys. He said, got a good thing going. Don't want to shake things up too much. Um, I think him coming in is shaking things up a lot because the Astros are so technology and stats and and, um, sabermetrics focused. And Dusty is a player's guy. I think he manages by gut. And so he's really very different. So if you want to change the culture, I think this is a good move. Also, he'll once again, be only the second black manager working in the major leagues. And him and Dave Roberts, they were before and they still are. The, wow. the only two. Um, fun fact, because the um, All-Star Game is managed by the winning coaches of the two teams that played in the World Series, A.J. Hinch, as you may have heard, was fired. So Dusty Baker will manage the American League team against Davey Martinez, and who replaced him. That is at the so Nationals. cool. They also share. Oh my god, I want to go. It's in California. They also share a spring training facility. Oh, that's right. So that's On the I east mean, coast I think, of Florida. Yeah. So I think the guys are going to be happy to see Dusty, and Dusty's going to be happy to see the guys. I think his beef is with the front office. Oh, sure. And it's let's see how that plays out. Oh, wow, that is so cool. I didn't even think of that. We're going to segue now to our boyfriend segment. Every week we choose a couple of guys and we call them our boyfriends because they are special, not just on the field, but there's something about them that makes us want to hang out and have a beer with them, right? This isn't creepy at all. It's like the boyfriend you just want to hang out with. And we're about in the middle. We started with the teams with the worst records last year and we've worked our way up and up. And this week we are talking about Cleveland in the American League and we are talking about the Mets in the National League. I can't believe I had to check my notes for that. Yeah, so we're going to talk about boyfriends. And just one thing about them is after we collect all these guys, we each get a different one from, from each team, we make a fantasy league. And so then we sort of keep track of them throughout the season. And that's the fun thing about it, because for all you folks from fandoms of different teams, we have somebody from every team. And a couple weeks ago, we did the White Sox, and we both picked super rookies. And just this week, your boyfriend, Eloy Jimenez, went on, on I don't know, on press, whatever, an interview, and said that my boyfriend, Luis Robert, is going to be the next Mike Trout. Wow. So I'd love to hear like boyfriend on boyfriend sort of interactions. There was another one actually that I just saw on Twitter with Ronald Guzman. These are both my boyfriends. So my boyfriend from last year for the Texas Rangers, Ronald Guzman, apparently his Twitter account got hacked. And it was like he had a month of Arabic retweets. I have no (laughs) idea what it was about. I didn't look into it that much. But he finally said, got my account back under control. And the first guy to comment was Joey Gallo, who's my this year's Rangers boyfriend. (laughs) And he said, better change your password, do or or think of like a better password. And he wrote back saying, I love Joey was too predictable. Oh, Um, I love that. So this guy that I'm picking this week for Cleveland, everybody loves, especially our Padres friends. Hey, Padres friends, I had to pick Fran Mel Reyes for you, right fielder, 24 years old. The the coolest quote, I think that sort of just sums him up, that I think was a Cleveland play, paper that said, Fran Mel Reyes is a big, happy chunk of ball destruction. 
So that's he, awesome. yeah, and Andy Green from the Padres said the personality is bigger than the person, and that's saying a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, he was six four at sixteen years old when he uh-huh. was drafted by the Padres. Sure. So he is a big boy, but a big boy with a lot of character, and he's the fun of the the clubhouse. And I think one of the reasons why Padres folks love him so much is that he was in their minor league system for a while, and he was just the happy guy. And he would do like calling down the the roster, the announcement for the game. And he still did that, I think, in Padres also. Um, he His thing that he was known for this past year was singing, not because of his voice, but because of his enthusiasm about it. And I really considered trying to sing it now, but I'm just not feeling it. I don't, might do it. Yeah. Channel your inner Whitney. What yeah, is it's it? Whitney Houston. Do it. I will always love you. I'm sorry. I'm oh, sorry God. that I made you do that. You did. That was awful. I knocked your cap off, I, though. That's I, pretty good. I am in charge of editing, and I don't even think I can fix that. All right. <laughs> so he did that once. Auto-tune is your friend. Yeah. I could maybe beep it or something. Um, but then it became kind of accustomed to do that before the games. And then when the Padres folks went up to visit him when he came in on Cleveland and played the Angels, and they had like a big group uh, trip up there that they sang with him. Oh. Which, yeah, super sweet. So the thing that I really love about him and his enthusiasm is how he's just willing to go for it, whether it's in the game or in learning English. He learned English really quickly. And the reason why is because he was not afraid of trying. And that's the hardest thing. I'm speaking as a, as a teacher of English to speakers of other languages. A lot of kids are just afraid to open their mouths. There's this whole period in the beginning where you just don't want to even try. And what he said is everybody understands. The guys in the clubhouse want you to speak English. They understand it's not your first language, so they're going to be nice to you. Just keep trying, and it's going to pay off. I'm glad that's the case, too. Yeah. I don't think that's a given. That's that's good to hear. Right. And and, and definitely some people, you know, it depends on your inhibitions, and it sounds like this guy is not a guy with a lot of inhibitions. So if you're willing to just go for it and put it out there, it's going to happen. So power to him. He comes from uh, the Dominican Republic. And his dad died when he was five years old. I don't know too much about his upbringing, but he credits his being in the big leagues to his mom and her dedication. And she would do things like get up in three in the morning to go somewhere to buy whatever she needed to sell that day to be able to take care of the family. He was scouted in the Dominican Republic by the Padres in 2012, and 18 was his breakthrough year with AAA El Paso. And then he came up and the Padres fans loved him and he was part of this big three-team trade last July between with that had to do with Puig and Bauer and the Reds and Cleveland. And so now Cleveland's the one that lucks out. They get him under team control, um, arbitrations in 22. Free agency isn't till 25. So that's a while. He is a power hitter. Last year between the two teams, he got 37 home runs and 81 runs batted in. And the cool thing about being Cleveland is he actually met his wife there, which is bizarre because he's from the Dominican Republic, right? Scouted by the Padres, moved to San Diego, played in all of the minor leagues for, for San Diego. But he happened to be for the, playing for the Tin Cups, Fort Wayne, I think. And he was playing in Cleveland to whatever the Cleveland team was of that level. And a woman from his hometown went to the, went to the game. And her daughter is now his wife. So something, I don't know, they connected. It was probably like hometown person playing and it's the minor league. So you can do shit like that. So adorable. So he's like, now, you know, it's fate. We're back full circle. 
His nickname, as most folks know, is La Mole, which I didn't know means the beast. And, you know, he's a gentle beast. He's a gentle giant. And the thing that I love is that he played in the Dominican Republic for Leones del Escogido, which is the team that I had picked, who didn't win, but I had picked them <laughs> to win the Dominican championship this year. Did not go my way, but I feel like this is a little bit of a cosmic connection I now have with this new boyfriend. I picked the team that not only did he play on, but he was a fan since he was a little kid. So like, what a dream to, you know, be the fan of this team, grow up and play on it. And this is why I'm going to say very politely because I know you're not going to be pleased with this, to fuck Cleveland because they wouldn't let him play this year. So last year, the Padres let him go back and play in the offseason. It's winter. Keeps him in shape, right? That's what they're, they're hoping for. And Cleveland wouldn't go, let him go this year. I know he there. there's this like transition they're hoping to make from DH to playing in the outfield. He wants to play in the outfield. He's got to get into shape. But I would think that actually playing in Dominican Republic would do that. You're going to defend Cleveland? Of course, I'm going to defend Cleveland. I am a Cleveland girl. I almost wore my Cleveland against the world T-shirt today, but I did not. But you don't know everything that's involved. There may have been other things. There may True. have been other things. I know that the interview that I wrote, that I wrote, that I read, I didn't write it. <laughs> swear to God. All right. I'm almost at the end of this beer. The, the interview that I read with him, he was super sad about it. And he sure. made it very clear that it was Cleveland's decision, not his. Well, sure. And he hopes he can play with them sure. again. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So there is this whole he's getting into shape to play in the outfield. And so when he first came over to Cleveland, it looked like he was going to be DH because he kind of had that persona, that build. Um, and it seemed like National League fans were willing to say, you know what? If it means Fran Mill can keep playing, maybe the DH isn't such a bad thing. But then I remembered when we talked about this trade in the very beginning, you said that Fran Mel said, and I found this quote again, that I don't really like being a DH just sitting on the bench. I like to move around, you know. So he's yeah, working to get back in that outfield. I am a Cleveland girl, and I like when Cleveland has exciting players to watch, like Fran Mel and my new boyfriend, Oscar Mercado. Mercado. He was also an outfielder, not ever going to be a DH. He's just not. Um, he's 25. He is from Cartagena, Colombia, and he oh, became wow. a U.S. citizen uh, in March of 2018. His father played soccer. His mom wanted him to learn karate, and none of those things stuck. But when he was four, this was in Colombia, he watched with his dad on TV the MLB playoffs, including the World Series, and he just kept peppering his dad with questions. He was sold. He thought this is the best thing I've ever seen. That's adorable for a little kid. I'm going to drink. We're going to drink. Cheers. Mm -hmm. That's adorable in a sports context. Drinking game. Absolutely. So that Christmas, Christmas when he turned, when he was five years old, his present was a baseball glove, a plastic bat, and a rubber ball. We've all seen these these kits. Some of our kids have gotten kits just like that. He fell in love with it immediately. He played catch with his dad every morning before work and as soon as his dad got home from work every day for a very long time. His dad said that when he was, when Oscar was seven, they sometimes had to drive around for 20 minutes to try to find a field that was in good enough shape for them to practice things like ground balls and all that, because they were also beat up or brown. There was like no grass or anything. So he worked that hard for the seven-year-old kid to find a good place for him to practice, to get good at what he did. Um, His dad wanted a better life for his family. So he moved to Florida, got a job, a house, set up the school, where we, where, where's all this going to happen, and then brought his family over. So Oscar moved to Florida 
when he was eight and he started Little League two weeks later. Oh, right. cool. He um, played, you know, for his high school team, of course, and won national awards for the high school team. Got a full scholarship to Florida State for the Seminoles and instead went to the Cardinals because they drafted him in the second round in 2013 and gave him a $1.5 million signing bonus. That makes sense. Wow. Second round. That's really so good. So th- this whole, yeah. So moving to the United States for a better life, that worked. Mm-hmm. It's like, my kid needs something better. We need something better. Look at that. We now are financially stable because of this really risky move that we made. Um, he played for Columbia on the World Baseball Classic team in 2017. And right around then is when he converted from shortstop to center field. That's he, a big change. Well, here's what was happening. He was not good at the quick defensive moves mm-hmm. at shortstop, and he was making errors. But he's super fast. His speed is nearly elite. It's 29.5 feet per second, which is by far the fastest on the Cleveland team. Um, usually 30 feet per second, they call elite. So that and that and up is elite speed. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty close. And he's really athletic. So when he can see the ball coming, he can run fast. He can make the moves to make the out. It just wasn't working for him when it happened so fast at shortstop. Just needs more space. He needs more yeah. space. So that was a super, super good move for him. Uh, he was traded by the Cardinals to Cleveland at the trade deadline in 2018. And Cardinals fans are still pissed. <laughs> Right. So they got a couple guys for him. And I saw so many articles about the most regrettable trades the Cardinals have ever made. And look, look how great Mercado has Mercado has become since, you know, he left and now he's with Cleveland. And oh, my God, we want him back right now. Even Cleveland's offense improved once he started. His debut was May of 2019. And actually, he kind of he went in to replace some Leonis Martin. Who was your guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because he started to, you know. He was getting, he was, when he was sick. Uh, yeah, and, he, and his, and his numbers were going it, down, yeah. right? And that so that was, right. that was Oscar Mercado's um, chance there. And that's what always happens, right? They, when these guys get their call-ups, it's always at somebody else's expense right. because somebody's numbers went down or they got hurt or something. It's not like, it's your time. It's, it's your time because mm-hmm. this. And so yeah. that's what happened for him. But not only were his numbers good, but other people's numbers improved with him in the lineup. So there's something about him being one of those spark plug type players that kind of got everybody else going. He won MLB play of the week in September of this past year. And I've watched this video and it is really, it is pretty amazing. He made a game saving catch when Cleveland was playing the White Sox. Cleveland was up eight to six, top of the ninth. They were winning eight to six. The White Sox were at bat with the bases loaded. And only one out, right? So one swing mm-hmm. could change the score, you know, to make the White Sox winning. And our guy, my guy, Aloy Jimenez, hit a 110-mile-an-hour shot. Wow. It looked like it was going Ouch. over Oscar's head. So the base runners were just sort of like not really paying attention because they mm-hmm. – he made a diving catch that the commentator said – this is like a Superman catch. Nobody makes this catch. He ran, he dove, he made this amazing catch and the base runners were all caught up short because they didn't go back to tags. They figured he was going to miss this ball. And so nobody scored. And then the pitcher struck out the next guy. So he saved the game wow. on that really amazing catch. And um, so <laughs> number one, Jimenez said, I don't know where he came from. Like, how did that happen? How did he do this to me? He wasn't there. Like he hit him where they ain't. And he ended up showing up there. And hard. But, That's crazy. Yeah. But on on um on Oscar's birthday um in December, uh Cleveland Twitter 
posted a, a photo of one of his amazing catches and it said, they say water covers 71% of the earth. Oscar Mercado covers the other 29%. That's my new boyfriend. Not bad. All right, now we're moving over to the national team. Really, Mets, I remembered you. Except for the national, this team gave me a hard time because our boyfriend rules are that we can't choose guys that we have chosen in previous seasons because we're, our goal is kind of to get to know guys and give you all a little bit of a sense of who's out there. So I couldn't choose Wilson Ramos because you had him as your boyfriend, but not when he was on the Mets. Did you choose him when he was on the Mets? Actually, now that I think about it. Mm, no, where was, was he in between? Yeah. Um, and then you uh, definitely had the next guy, so I'm not going to even say his name yet. You'll be able to talk all about him. Uh, Robinson Cano, I had chosen when he was on the Mariners, and I'm actually feeling super bad. I'll get more into this later about dropping him. Well, I dropped him when he traded, but I also said maybe some things about when he was suspended for drugs, but I, I'm now not going to hold that against him. So Cano, I couldn't pick him. Had him before. Uh, Conforto, Michael Conforto, I picked last year. Nimmo, you picked last year. And then they have two guys who are on the 2017 Astros. And we haven't really talked this out, but I think the feeling is that we want to try to avoid that mess. Yeah. So couldn't pick Jake Marisnik or J.D. Davis. I had a couple guys left. I texted my husband's cousin and said, Dan, please help me with these Mets. And he said, you know, Jeff McNeil had a real breakout year last year. He holds a lot of promise. And I was like, that's what I'm about. Promise. And then I looked him up. Well, he's a third baseman, 27 years old, and his nickname is Squirrel or Flying Squirrel, depending on which year you're looking at. I think he's turned into flying now, and I'll explain why. But I just have an affinity for squirrels. I think I, I like the, their lack of attention span, like me. It sort of darts around. <laughs> That's how he got his nickname. He's got a goatee. That had something to do with it. But he's been a squirrel for a while in in. High school, interestingly, he did not play baseball until his senior year. So he played baseball growing up as a kid. But then in high school, he loved golf. And golf and baseball seasons overlapped. And he actually picked golf. Golf is not one that has ever come up before when we talk about our boyfriends playing multiple sports in high school. They also play basketball or they also play football. They don't also play golf. Yeah, that's and I mostly hear about baseball play players playing golf after their careers. Well, right? that, that's true because you just said that the same season, so they couldn't have done both ever. Mm -hmm. And he didn't do both. He switched. Okay, never right. mind. Yeah. I, I retract the... That, well, but, but that makes sense. Like, not many people would choose golf over baseball because it's fucking boring. But some people tell me <laughs> baseball is boring. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm just being I'm a little you. bit judgmental there. But apparently, he was hoping for a golf scholarship, but he did not do very well in the 2009 U.S. Junior Amateur Golf Championships. Put that on your calendar to watch next year. Uh-huh. Go right ahead. So then he shifted to baseball for his senior year and promptly batted 446, earning himself a scholarship to Cal State Northridge. Something weird happened with the coaching staff there right after he was going to go for the following year, like they were fired. So he got recommended to a, a different coach from Long Beach State who accepted him there, even though, and I quote, he had a pencil-thin neck, buck teeth, and his diet was composed of Mountain Dew and Cheez-Its. Sounds like a lot of teenagers I know. I was going to say, it sounds like college students for yeah. sure. Yeah. But somehow he managed to make that Mountain Dew work for him in that <laughs> 446. So after that, he was he played in Cape Cod, and this is another sort of weird cosmic local connection 
Uh, John Altabelli, who recently died in the horrific accident with Kobe Bryant, was his coach, and they were very close. And he actually credits him for the fact that he's still playing baseball. So there was an article, which I'll try to find and post, about his reflections on John Altobelli now because it's hitting him really hard. He's been with the Mets since 2013, so right after that Cape Cod summer, and he was in their minors for a while. In 2016, he started using a knobless bat at the suggestion of one of the Mets coaches. I don't know that I've heard of a knobless bat. I hear like the axe handle bat, but not a knobless bat. Yeah, I guess it, it, according to this, not many people use it at all. So mm-hmm. I don't know why this Mets, Mets coach suggested it. But I think it would fly right says, out of my hands with my very powerful swing. Right, right. Yeah, right. But yeah. you would think that. That's what it sounds like. But what he says is it makes the, even though the bat itself has to be the same weight, there's not as much weight in the handle. And he feels like that means it feels lighter in his grip. I, All right. I, go figure. I'm somebody who's good at physics. Please tell me about this. But it's working for him. And he is, he's like a squirrel. He jumps on things. He jumped on his first pitch <laughs> of his first game in the major leagues in Ju- July 2018 and got a hit. His first home run was against our very own Nationals later that season. And his first season, 2018, in that little bit of time in the majors, he was batting 329 with 225 at-bats. So not too, not too shabby. 2019, he did so well that he made it to be an, as a reserve in the All-Star game. And over the season, he was 318 with 23 home runs, 75 runs batted in. He's all over the place, not just in that darty kind of jumping on things uh, meaning, but also he plays everywhere and through the minors. And I'm not quite sure how many he played at the Mets, but he's played every position except for except for pitcher. And I think he's even still listed as their emergency catcher. Um, he had a, a trunk full of gloves in his uh, <laughs> locker room, and they actually told him, you, you got to work on this. But he was going back and forth. For, I mean, first base to outfield, you need a different glove. So he was uh, prepared for pretty much everything, and they called him Mr. Mitt. Mm-hmm. Um, he met his wife his freshman year, and they were married in 2018, and they are proud parents to a puppy named Willow, who they got from the North Shore Animal League America, which is the n- largest no-kill shelter in the United States. And since they got the puppy, the Mets started a hot streak. So this was in the middle of the season in 2000—wait, was—no, it was last year. Yeah, 2019. Yeah, it was right after the All-Star and, break. Yep, yep, yep. Because um, they had a press conference about his puppy. And then he got a hit the next game against the Pirates, and the Mets won the next 12 of the 13 games. And Pete Alonso, who we will be hearing about very soon, said if he had had a bad two weeks, he'd have to give the dog back. (laughs) So hopefully he was just joking about that. The last thing about it that changed him from squirrel to flying squirrel is he is using the netting for good. So there's a great uh, play, which I will definitely include in the show notes, where he leapt up for the catch with extra force because he knew the net was going to catch him. And he caught the ball. He bounded into the net. It sort of goes on top of some very scared looking uh, audience people. Uh, that would be fans. fans. Yep, <laughs> yeah, yep. that would be uh-huh. them. Yep. And But he didn't hit them and just bounced back up into the field. So that's like, I think it's the beginning of a new thing. It's that, one of the sort of Spider-Man kind of moves. Mm-hmm. So you can't play the ball off the net. Like had the ball gone into the net and bounced oh, interesting. off, you can't play it. But he had had the ball, but he just kept going with the ball already in his glove. And that just kept him from danger. So this right? is going to be more incentive than to do leaping into the net because if you can't take the ball. And we do love that. Sure. Sure. That's always fun. 
hey, let's talk polar bear. Mm-hmm. Surprising no one, I have selected Pete Alonso, first base, 25 years old, as my Nets, my Mets boyfriend. See, I was talking about Nets, and now yeah, I'm talking about Nets, so not Mets. Confusing. It's not the beer. I mm-hmm. swear it's not. Hey, here's another guy who spent time in Tampa. That's where Oscar Mercado went to high school. Oh, hey. Yeah, so Pete Alonso is from Tampa. He went to the same high school as Wade Boggs. Wow. Is this when you say I've got a signed baseball? Yeah, well, not signed. That's the shitty part is that I have a ball that he hit, but I didn't get it signed. Oh, but only right, I know. And right. my dad knows that Wade Boggs hit the ball. Well, Pete Alonso has something with Wade Boggs' name on it. And he won the Wade Boggs Athletic Achievement Award at his high school Sweet. in 2013 because it's also his athletics, academics, and sportsmanship. Look, he was boyfriend material in training. Even then, he had a full ride to the University of Florida, and he went to school, uh, was drafted by the Mets in the second round in 2016. So he's been in the Mets system since he got started. He, When he was in the minors, he played for um, Luis Rojas, who is the new manager for the Mets. Oh, right. So he knows him well. He played for that. him um, in, Bim- in Binghamton. Um, and he lobbied hard for Rojas to get the gig. A lot of Mets players stayed out of the whole hiring situation, but Pete went in. He leaned way in and said, no, we need this guy. And That's part of it sign. was Super good sign. what a lot of the articles you read said. It was about continuity. He knows the guys. Mm-hmm. He knows the culture. He's not starting from nothing, right? He's not like Dusty going in and, you know, kind of inserting himself on top of everything else that's already there. This is a guy who's in the system already. Anyway, so Pete's happy about that. So I'm happy about that. Um, you all know he was Rookie of the Year in 2019. You also know that he had the rookie record for home runs with 53, and he also led the major leagues with 53 home runs in the last season. My, and you called that, right? I did. You called him as rookie of the year. I, I, yeah. So you get some serious points I for do. this. You deserve him. I Absolutely. do. And as a reward, I watched a YouTube video that has um, – a. It's a shot of every single one of those 53 home runs, but it's focused on the pitcher and the expression on the pitcher's face as soon as they realize they just gave up another freaking home run to Pete Alonso. And it's hilarious. And it made me really happy, even though a good number of those were Nationals pitchers because we play the Mets all the time. He was also an all-star, as you may remember, and won the Home Run Derby. Um, Oh, yeah. Right? There were those things. And the other awards that he won more recently, um, the Baseball Writers of America had their big dinner. That's when Justin Verlander made his ill-placed remarks about the the Astros. But um, that's when the Rookie of the Year Award was bestowed on Pete Alonso, but he also won what's called the Good Guy Award, which the baseball writers bestow on guys who are accessible, make themselves available to the press and are also like really accountable. Like they're good interviews. They're not afraid to talk about the bad stuff. They're not afraid to talk about the good stuff. Um, I saw his acceptance speech and he said, you know, I, I always tell the truth and sometimes that gets me in trouble because I say things I'm not supposed to say. But like he's really open and available and he's a good um, he's a good ambassador for baseball and for the team. And so he was he was rewarded for that um, in the um, in the introduction of him for this award. They noted that he was the one who started the hashtag hashtag. LFGM. Oh, he gets my undying love right. for that one. I love it. Well, you're going to like this one, too. Yeah. Okay, so he won another award, because this is the New York chapter, right, of the baseball writers. They have something called the Toast of the Town Award, and they didn't define specifically what qualifies you for that, but Jerry Seinfeld is the one who presented the award to him, and as soon as he came up to accept the award, um, Pilanza said, am I allowed to curse? Hey, he asked. He asked, Bonus and they said yes, asking. and he said... 
something about, holy shit, that's Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> but he asked permission. And the one last thing I'm going to say about him is this quote where he said, as a little kid, I had a poster of all 30 MLB teams in my room. I wrote on that poster, I want to be here. And I looked at that poster every day. I am happy to be talking about something positive today, something positive that players are doing in the Dominican Republic or just did two days ago. And I found out about this because I adore Fernando's Tatis Jr.'s Twitter, uh, not Twitter, the other one, Instagram, Instagram Instagram stories. The one the kids like. Yeah. Well, I can understand why, because he kind of tracks everything he's doing and he's just a super fun guy. He was my my boyfriend last year for the Padres. I miss him already. But he tweeted a picture of him in this cool shirt with a bunch of other people in the exact same shirt with the hashtag, uh, no, it was in Spanish, but it was no to violence against women. And I thought, huh, what's this about? And I checked it real quick and found an article from a paper in the Dominican Republic, which said that there was a march this weekend. So today's Sunday. It must have been yesterday to end violence against women in the Dominican Republic. And it was organized by Robinson Cano, my former boyfriend from Seattle. And I thought, hey, this is a little bit of I I, and this is where I get back to. I kind of probably harshed on Cano a little bit when he got busted for the PED thing. And I am sad about that. But. You know, I think some things are more important than drugs, or I don't know how to really say this well, but I think it means he's a really good guy for organizing this march and getting so many people involved. And there were people involved from a lot of organizations, but a lot of MLB players, Dominican MLB players took part. They all wore these shirts that said no to, again, no to violence against women. And it included Tatis Jr. and his dad, your ex-boyfriend, John Segura. Edwin Encarnacion, you had Edwin too, because you I had actually, I I, no, because I remember it was like, I picked a DH, you're the only uh, one who picked a DH until this year. Yeah. No, I had, um, I had Nelson Cruz. Right, right. But, but those are both you. Like I hadn't picked a DH, ironically, huh. ironically, right. but I'm pretty sure you have Edwin. I will definitely uh, look well, that back up. one of us did for sure. Yeah. I had Juan Soto though, and mm-hmm. Marcelo Suna. Mm-hmm. Neither one of us had Starling Marte, but we probably should have. And Luis Rojas, power to you Mets people, the new manager of the Mets was there. I think it's interesting that a couple of people were glaringly not there. A couple of Dominicans who have talked about on this show, which is Miguel Sano, who had a, a violence issue against a, it was a photographer a couple of years ago. But the worst one was this past year that we talked about Domingo Germán, who just very recently got a whopping suspension because of domestic violence. So Let's see if we can get the word out so we don't have any more shit like that and we can just celebrate the guys who are doing the right thing. And we need to have more positive news showing the guys who are really out there taking a stand. And the best part is this is not the end. Cano said he's going to do it again in November. So let's see more people getting involved. I'm going to talk about Chris Bryant of the Cubs because he lost his service time grievance that's been going on since his rookie year of 2015. That sucks, man. That just sucks. Uh, Yeah. So here's why it sucks. We've talked about service time manipulation before. Service time is the amount of time a player has to spend in the major leagues before they can get to free agency. Before they can make money. Well, they can make right? money make through arbitration, money. but they can't get to free agency yeah. where they're on the open market yeah. until 
you know, six years of time in the major leagues. And that's, that's defined as a certain number of games, which is why you will often see rookies starting in April instead of on opening day. Let me backtrack to Pete Alonso. It was kind of shocking that the Mets started him on opening day because they could have messed with his service time, had him start in April, and then he would be under their control for another whole season. Wouldn't have gotten all those records probably because a couple of those home runs came in early. Right. Right. But that was unusual to start a promising rookie on day one. Yay, Mets. So that didn't Good happen. Job, didn't happen to Chris Bryant. Right. So he was in the, the second in the overall draft in 2013. Right. And going into the 2015 season, he was the number one prospect. He was the MVP of the Arizona Fall League. He had a 1.625 OPS oh in spring God. training, which is unheard of. And apparently he was very polished with the media. So he had sort of like the the mental, the composure, the, you know, that kind of composure going as well as the skills on the field. He was ready. So no excuse to leave him down. Besides, we don't want to pay him. Right. So he went to AAA Iowa until mid-April and then they brought him up and they kept saying, oh, no, he needs to be ready. He needs to be more ready. He mm-hmm. was plenty ready. And now, because he didn't come up till mid-April, the club would have control over him for almost seven years, right? So the six full years plus most of that 2015 season. So he fought it, which was – and you know the, the baseball union was way behind this because they're up for re- renegotiating their contract. And the service time manipulation is a huge problem. But he lost. So what that means immediately is he's got two more years before he's a free agent. He's got this season and the next season. That makes him a much more popular, much more um, attractive trade, mm-hmm. you know, guy up, up for trades. Because when you trade a guy who's going to be for a guy who's going to be in free agency next year, you're basically renting him for one year. But if you can get him for two years on a team that looks like it's really going to compete this year and you just need that or next year and you just need that one extra thing, it's worth making that trade. Maybe losing a couple guys you like in order to get that, like, say, the Nationals, who need a third baseman, might be back in it. The Braves might be back in it because they need a third baseman. They're all, you know, we've all got those teams that can make do, but all of a sudden it's much more attractive to trade for Chris Bryant than it was before. So that's the good news for teams needing third baseman. The bad news is for all the players who are having service time manipulated, this means it's going to keep going on. That's There's no change coming. Yeah, that's a, it's a bad precedent. But, you know, the Cubs are going to lose out because he's not going to have that respect connection. You know, the, some players will give a little less or take a little less to stay with the place that they love. But you're not going to do that. Oh, if, yeah, he's if, gone. I yeah. think he's gone. On to warmer, happier places. Watch baseball now, folks. We I'd will. Like to. Yeah, right now the Caribbean series is on. It's super exciting. I had made guesses about who would be in it from each uh, participating country slash territory because Puerto, yeah, Puerto Rico has the Cangrejeros de Santurce who have already won a game, at least. I don't know. There was one going on right now when we were coming down to record. Toros del Este from the Dominican Republic. Tomateros de Culican from the Pacific Mexican League, because they actually play most of their best baseball when MLB does. But they do have a winter league. The Vaqueros de Monteria in Colombia have lost twice so far. But you know what? Maybe they'll be coming back. But I'm happy to see that my Cardenales de Lara, who I picked from Venezuela, have won a game, at least by now. And the Astronatos de Chiriqui from Panama 
who I can't get my hat actually. But, are, they, are they holding your hat well, like somewhere in customs? And it's I'm sad because my husband wrote to them and apparently like me writing to them personally in Spanish helped because he answered me right away. Adam had written to him a couple of days ago, no response, basically saying, we're not going to pay for it if you don't send the hat. And I wrote him a note and he just didn't understand that we were not in Panama at, at the moment. Oh. So he was trying to do it. And then somehow they just don't have it set up that they can send outside from Panama. But I wrote, and, but he said, we're going to work on it. And I said, Aww. I will be your first sale. So I am really hoping to be the first gringa with an astronautist de Chiriqui cap because it has an astronaut with a baseball head. So uh, that's me. Um, that so, a bobble knot? Yeah, sure. Okay. That sounds good. They have the best hat. They should really get some credit. Um, Cuba's not there. And I really want articles to start being honest about this because all of the English language articles that I saw said that Cuba could not secure visas. That means that the United States government did not allow the Cuban ba baseball team to participate because it's in Puerto Rico. Let's be very clear about where the blame lies. That's where it is. But y'all can watch three games a day starting, well, right now this drops on Tuesday. So Tuesday and Wednesday, there's three games a day. And then Thursday, there's two games, semifinals, one in the afternoon, one in the evening. And then the finals are Friday night, 8 p.m. Puerto Rican time, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Quick vocabulary lesson. I love listening to stuff in Spanish. So when they when they take out a pitcher, they say, Ya viene la grua. So what do you think? What do you think the the any guesses there? What what um, kind of euphemism they'd use for here comes the for taking out a pitcher? Here, come, it's, 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 yeah, here comes. Yeah. So viene here la. Comes the, here comes the. Wow. I don't yeah, know. and it's such a small word for a bigger word in English, the tow truck. The here tow comes, truck. Yeah, the pitcher gets so, so towed. Like, so we would say he's getting the hook, but yeah. no, he's getting the tow he's truck. He's getting the tow truck. He's getting a hook on a giant truck. Is put it, wow, yeah. this is they're not messing around. Yep. Yeah. So watch it. It's fun, guys. Viene la grua. Yeah, Viene la grua. I got it. Okay, in between watching the Caribbean League, I am going to be doing some research on Tampa Bay and the Brewers, and I have a feeling Christian Yelich might be a keeper. Right, I, I I let Anthony Rendon go, so I get to keep one guy. It might be Kristen Yelich. That means you get a little bit of an easier week. That's good. Well, I'll be busy watching, you know, Caribbean League baseball, so I gotta absolutely you know, have some time. Tampa Bay and Brewers. All right, if anybody wants to help me out, please give me a drop me a line. Hey, you can do that on Twitter. Do at tell, NC, tell us at NCIB Podcast or on Instagram or on Facebook if you'd rather. No crying in B ball. Or you can listen to all of our back episodes at nocryinginbball.com. And spring training is coming. It's even sooner because Super Bowl is almost over. Yeah. It's, well, it will be when you hear this. It will be after Super Bowl, which means it's baseball season in, wow, I was going to say in this country again, but I can't. Right. In, in the part of this country that's not a colony. Yeah. Damn. But you know what? You guys have a week. Right now, from the time of recording, we have nine single digit, <gasps> nine days, five hours, 38, 20 minutes to pitchers and catchers, though. So keep watching that Caribbean baseball. That sounds great. Listen to some back episodes. Tell your friends. Please leave us a review or a rating. And until next week, say goodnight, potty mouth. Goodnight, potty mouth. <laughs>